John chapter 14. Today I'm excited because I'm going to begin a series of sermons on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm really excited about this because I, I just feel, even in my own spirit, a fresh wind blowing and uh, revival. And, um, you know, uh, when, you, when you see the word spirit in the Bible and then you look in the book of Acts, you look in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church. The Bible teaches us there that, that the Spirit of God came like a rushing mighty wind. And in Genesis chapter 1... Uh, when you see God's getting ready to speak and, and turn the lights on and get everything going, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was actually hovering over the waters. And the word there in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is the word ruach, which literally means wind or breath. So anytime you see the Spirit of God, you see the descriptor of this idea of wind. And I think it's so important for us to recognize that because maybe we don't we don't really value wind in the day we live in. Sometimes I think wind for us can be an annoyance, but when you didn't have engines like we have now, wind was a lot of the way boats would move, ships would move across the ocean. And if they weren't using the wind, then they were rowing themselves. And so the Bible is teaching us that the difference between being filled with the Spirit and not is when you have the Spirit of God, the wind is blowing and leading you and pushing you and directing you. And when you don't, you're out there rowing, man, and it's so much energy and so much self-effort. But how many of you think we need the power of the Holy Ghost to do what God has called us to do and to be who God has called us to be? Years ago, I saw a book that was written. It was called Forgotten God, and it was about the Holy Spirit. And I think so often in the church, we just forget. We just forget. Not that it's a bad thing to emphasize Jesus or God, because we're going to talk about that in a minute, because there are three that bear record in heaven. These three are one, the Holy Spirit is Jesus. Jesus is the Holy Spirit. We'll get all that. But not that it's bad to, to, to talk about Jesus all the time. That's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think what happens sometimes is when we emphasize so much Jesus, we forget that, you know, Jesus, the one we talk of, he's not here anymore in the sense that he went to be with the Father. But the Bible says that he sent another helper. And that's what we're going to talk about in John chapter 14 today. So John 14, today's sermon is titled Another Helper. And this series is going to last a while because we're going to, we're going to talk today about who, who the Holy Spirit is and then we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about what he does. We're gonna get into the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah, we're gonna talk about tongues and prophecy and all of that stuff. And uh, we, are, we are a church that believes that the Holy Spirit is active, that he is still uh, active, not just in his, the fruit of the Spirit, but in the gifts of the Spirit. We still believe in speaking in tongues and prophecy and all of that stuff. And so we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that. But today I wanna talk to you about another Helper. John chapter 14, we're going to read three verses here, John 14, 15 through 18. The Bible says this, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he, will, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Let's add verse 18 there. I will not leave you orphans. Watch this. I will come to you. That's an important, that's an important thought. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we're praying over these next few moments that you would speak clearly to us about who the Holy Ghost is. Who is the Spirit of God? Who is he? And what does that mean for us? 
we thank you that you're gonna speak very clearly to us. For many of us, there's a lot of confusion around who the Holy Spirit is, and I believe that you are not the author of confusion, God, but you are the author of peace, and I thank you for that. So today I pray that people, as they hear about your Holy Spirit and who you are, that they will leave this place full of the peace of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Jesus' command that he's specifically talking about is the command to love. You'll see it all through John 14, 15, and 16. The command that Jesus is asking them to keep is the command that you love one another as I have loved you. He even said, I give you a new commandment that you would love one another as I have loved you. So the idea there is not that we would be able to keep the law perfectly. How many of you know we talked about that a couple of weeks ago? We will fail in that. But Jesus' desire for us in relationship with us is that if we truly love him, this is not an indicator of how much he loves us. This is an indicator of our love for, for him. If we really love him, we will obey him. That's the bottom line of it. You, and the Bible even teaches us that if you say you love God, but you don't obey him, then you don't love God. Because the reality is, is if you love God, you will obey his word. And so Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot see because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he, watch, he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I love that first of all, Jesus, and, and, and the reason we're starting here is because I think the best place to start in describing who the Holy Spirit is, is let's describe him how Jesus described him. Jesus said he is another helper. The reason the word another is important is because another is, is, an, is an important Greek word because it's crucial to an understanding of what Jesus is talking about. Because if you, if you know anything about the Greek language, you understand that the Greek language is very complex. It's not like the English language, okay? And the Greeks had wor two words that meant another. The first one was heteros, which means another kind, another kind, as in this wrench doesn't work, will you get me another one, right? The other word is alos, which means another, but it also means another of the same kind. As in, I like that sandwich, can you give me another one? <laughs> Has anybody ever said that? <laughs> Nobody's ever ate two sandwiches or three sandwiches or five <laughs> sandwiches. I think I ate probably five sandwiches yesterday watching football. It's funny how when football season comes around, we all start to gain weight, and it's because we sit around watching TV, eating bad food, and then we wonder, like, why am I? <laughs> it's like, no, you ate five sandwiches, bro. That's your problem. <laughs> five sandwiches. But he, he, he's literally saying another of the same kind. We know this as, as believers. We know that God... Uh, he's one God. He's one God that eternally exists in three persons, co-equal and co-eternal. 
Today I'm gonna read a lot of verses because I have to set this whole thing up. So this is gonna be unique in the sense of how the tone and style that I preach with. So if you're used to a certain thing and you brought a friend today and you're like, normally he's more animated than this. Like I've gotta set a foundation because I need you to understand some things about who the Holy Spirit is first. So he is, he is part of the Godhead. We serve one God who eternally exists in three persons. They are co-equal, co-eternal. Genesis 1, we see God the Father in creation, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God says this, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, for unto us a child is born, To us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called, the son will be called, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the son is the Everlasting Father and the Mighty God. Interesting. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say, As soon as Jesus was baptized, the son, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Matthew 28 and 19 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter one and verse 35 says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Do you see that? The Godhead is involved there in the birth of Jesus Christ. Watch, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, power of the Most High will overshadow you and the one born will be the Son of God. God. First John 5 and 7 says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. In other words, I don't believe that we are living in the age of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus isn't active anymore, and God's just kind of having a little, you know, just kind of walking around in heaven, just doing his own thing. I believe that we serve one God who eternally exists in three persons. And if you're here this morning, you're like, that makes no sense. Can I give you good news today? It's supposed to make no sense. We have, we have throughout history tried to explain the Godhead and every illustration we come up with is inadequate and makes no sense when you really get down to it. I just want to give you a couple thoughts here. If you are saved, you have interacted with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3, Jesus is Lord and no one can say that except by the Holy Spirit. If you have obeyed God and you have, you have interacted with the Holy Spirit, Philippians 2 and 3, 13 says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. If you have received gifts from God, you have interacted with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, the person without the Spirit does not accept things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's why if somebody looks at you and says, I can't believe that you have that gift. I can't believe that God does that. You look at him and say, it's because you aren't spiritual like me. That's all I know how to tell. That's the only thing I know how to say. And that's what the Bible says. Sometimes people, you, sometimes it's, it's, it's the people who look at us and say, man, what, what you have cannot be explained, cannot be understood. And you, you can't get mad at them because the Bible teaches us that 
people that aren't spiritual are not going to understand spiritual things. People are gonna judge you for believing in prophecy. People are gonna judge you for still believing in tongues. People are gonna judge you for believing in the gifts of the Spirit. But don't get upset. Just understand that some people aren't going to understand the things of the Spirit because they are too naturally minded. Don't get angry. See, the Spirit of God was not given to us to divide us. He was actually given to us to unite us. But because we have misused him, now most churches are divided over this topic, this idea, this person, the Holy Spirit. Even though he was given to bring the church together, to lift up and to edify the body, he has been used to manipulate, to control, and divide people. And we're not going to do that in this church. So I need you to understand something. Even if you don't believe what I believe about the Holy Spirit, that you are welcome here. Even if, if you don't believe that the gifts are still active, you are welcome here. We are not going to divide over that. Listen, what, what is required to be saved is not to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What is required to be saved is not to speak in tongues. What is required for salvation is to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. That's what's... So we can, we can agree on that, and we can, we can disagree about these things. And, and, if, and if you want to fight over them, you can do that, but that's not what God intended for you to do. I have watched people, I've watched families separate over the issue of speaking in tongues. And that is evil. That is not God's plan for the Holy Spirit. That is not what he wants when he, when he gave us his spirit. If, if anything, the spirit is supposed to unify us, not divide us. And, and watch this. And we believe these things. Not because we can explain them, but because it's how God revealed himself in scripture. Can I, can I give you some information that's just going to really help you in your walk with the Lord? Can I can tell you this? And this might offend you, hurt you, make you mad today, but it's not my intention. God doesn't owe you an explanation. You need to get over this idea that God has to explain everything he does to you. Because you will spend the rest of your life mad at God because he didn't explain it to you. God often, most of the time, doesn't give explanation. He, he gives revelation. So in other words, God shows himself in a certain way but he doesn't explain. And we are left with the revelation. And, 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 and then we want to tell somebody about it, and it's like, but God, and they're like, what? He, he what? explained that to me. And like, I can't explain it. I just know we did it. Like, I can't, I can't fully compartmentalize God and put him in a box that's nice and and, 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 and fit together and with a bow on top that, that everybody will like and accept. I, I can't make him fit into my brain. And here's the problem. If God tried to explain himself to you, you couldn't understand him anyway. Let me give you some Bible. Romans, Romans chapter 11, 33 through 34 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? 
Do you, remember, do you remember in the book of Job, maybe you don't remember this, but Job was going through a very difficult time and Job was going back and forth with his friends. He was going back and forth with God and God finally just, just kind of shows up and he said, hey, 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 were you there? When I was putting all of this together, were you there when, when I created all of this? Were you there when I, when I spoke man to, into existence? Were you there? And God's like, you can't know me fully. It's too much for you. You can't comprehend me. I'm too big for you. You can spend the rest of your life searching for me and you won't fully understand me. <laughs> Isaiah 55, eight and nine says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. At some point in this whole journey, you're just going to have to believe. You're just gonna have to have, what's that word? Faith. Hebrews 11 says, faith is what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen, if you had everything you hoped for, you wouldn't need faith. If you saw everything you believed, you wouldn't need faith. At some point, you just have to choose to believe him or what you see. Some point. At some point, you're going to have to make up your mind. And we're living in a day where everybody's deconstructing their faith. Where they're trying, they're trying to make God make sense. And you just can't make God make sense. People walking away from the faith. Why? Because it's hard to believe in a God who is good but allows bad things to happen. If I could explain that to you, then, then we wouldn't even need to be here today. We could, if we could get that explanation, then what is the point in coming? What's the point in faith? If I understood everything, if I was gonna get it all here on this side of heaven, then what would be the point of heaven even? I mean, there are just some things in this life you will never understand. And I know the preacher told you that your relative or the one you love passed away and there's a reason for all of it and someday you'll see it Maybe in this life you will. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll get to heaven. You still won't know why that person died. You still won't know. You still won't experience in this life sometimes all things working together for the good of them that love God. Maybe heaven is when it all finally works together for the good of them that love God. I just want you to understand you could spend the rest of your life trying to make God make sense and he never will. At some point, you are just going to have to just say, you know what? I believe him and not them. I believe him and not it. The Bible says, that's why the Bible says that the just live by faith, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, the just live by faith and not by sight. The opposite of faith is not unbelief. It's not doubt. It's not fear. The opposite of faith is sight. The opposite of faith is belief in the wrong thing. In other words, God says, listen, what you see is saying something, but what I say is something else. Man. And I, 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 know, I, know you want to, I know you want to have like, I, and I know there's so many people in the room that are, you're, you're just logical and you want everything to make sense and two plus two equals four and everything. You, there's gotta be an equation for everything. There's no equation for God. 
you can't work it out. There's, there, there's not a class you can go to to truly understand him. There's not, there's not a class you can go to that's truly going to make you believe when everything you see tells you something different. You have to believe him. Listen, I've had, I've had to believe God when everything I see tells me something different. I've had to believe that God is good. And I walked into Haiti the, a few weeks after an earthquake had demolished the entire city of Port-au-Prince. And I walk in, and one of the first people I meet is a young girl who lost 10 people in her family. Everybody in her family died but her. And I'm like, God is faithful. God is good. None of what I see makes sense, but it's not about what I see. It's about what I believe, and I believe he is who he says he is, and I believe in who he said he was. Just I, I believe. Well, prove it to me. I'm sorry. I can't. I believe. Show it to me. I I wish I could, but I can't. I, I believe. Show me God. Uh, I, I would if I, God, can you? <laughs> I would like, but I, I can't. Um, I just believe. I just believe. I wish there was more I could give you than that. I really do. I wish I could say, hey, God, can you just come sit on the on the stage for just a couple minutes and just like, hey guys, I'm really real. I'm here. No, it's, you believe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. When I get it, I don't need faith for it. So, so he, is, he, is, he is another helper. He, he, Jesus said, he, it's not me, but it's me. He said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come. Like, I've got to go, but I will be with you. I won't leave you as orphans. Another, another, another of the same kind. He is me. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. And Jesus even said that I've got to go so that he can come. I, I've, got to, I've got to go so that he can come. And when I go, you should be glad I'm leaving because when he comes, greater works than you've seen me do, will you do? Not greater in the sense that, that what gets better than raising somebody from the dead? There's nothing really greater than that. Nobody's like, I've done anything better. It's not about doing better works. It's about doing greater works because when the Holy Spirit comes, not only is it, not is it just Jesus, a person in the earth embodied in, a, in human flesh, living in a certain region. Now it's the Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh. Now the Spirit of Jesus is poured out on all flesh. So no wonder we will do greater because there are more of us than one man living in a small city in the Middle East. Spirit of Jesus. It says he's another. And then he uses the word that I love. I love this word, helper. Another helper. Some translations use the word comforter. Some translations use the word counselor. But truly, the word there is the Greek word parakletos, which, uh, which here's, here's the definition for it. One who pleads another's cause before a judge. 
counsel for defense, legal assistant, an advocate, intercessor, one who stands by you to speak for you and to you. (laughs) He is the spirit of our advocate with the Father, Jesus. I just want to give you two thoughts that he is for you. First of all, he's intercessor. He's intercessor, one who speaks for us. In other words, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit prays for us. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit prays through us, but let's talk about, first of all, how the Holy Spirit prays for us. The Bible teaches us in Romans. It tells us in Romans that the the Holy Spirit, in Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 26, it says, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. A lot of people act like this verse is a verse referring to speaking in tongues. This verse is not referring to speaking in tongues. This verse is referring to the Holy Spirit praying for you when you don't know how to pray for yourself. How do you know it's not you praying? Because the Bible says it's words that cannot be uttered. Tongues can be uttered. So, so we, we misappropriate this verse when we act like this verse is limited to speaking in tongues. I I have spoken tongues, but let me tell you, I would much rather the Holy Spirit pray for me when I don't know what to say, what to pray. It's not like I'm confused what to pray and I don't know what to pray, so I start speaking in tongues. That's not what the Bible is saying here. The Bible is saying I'm in a desperate situation. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I can't even open my mouth to pray. If if God were to gift me with tongues, I couldn't even get them out because I cannot open my mouth right now. So the Bible is saying that the Holy Spirit, when you can't pray for yourself and nobody else is praying for you, guess what? Somebody is. I just need you to understand this morning. You might be in this room today and feel like nobody is on my side. Nobody is praying for me. Nobody has my back. You misunderstood the job of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) He is the one who is there for you. He is the one who is praying for you. Not just through you, but for you. I love this about the Holy Spirit because he speaks for us. For us. Another another thought is this advocate advocate so not only is he one the bible says he's he's paracletos he is one who stands with you and speaks to you and speaks for you advocate the one who speaks to you and for you intercessor one who speaks to you and for you First John chapter two, verses one through two. The Bible one through two say this. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Did you see that? Jesus is the advocate. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is paracletos. He's an advocate. Watch this, because Jesus is speaking to God. Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I need you to to see this, because here's how the advocacy works. Here's how he acts as your legal counsel. Jesus, his role is to speak to God on your behalf. The Holy Spirit's role is to speak to you on behalf of God. (laughs) Sometimes, when I, was, when I was younger, I used to have this picture 
of Jesus. You know, the Bible teaches us that Jesus at the right hand of the Father forever lives to make intercession for us. He's pleading our case before the Father. I had this picture of Jesus in heaven, that Jesus was up in heaven just like, like holding God off, like God wanted to kill me. Has anybody ever felt like God wanted to kill you? And, and like all the bad stuff I've done and God's ready to come after me and Jesus is like, no, leave him alone. Give him a break. I love him. He's all right. I covered him. You know, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Just look the other way. And like Jesus, I have this picture. Like Jesus is begging God for leniency. Jesus is begging God to give me another chance. But that's not a proper view of what Jesus is doing before the Father right now. That's not what Jesus is doing. He is our advocate, he is our legal counsel. In other words, the reason he's legal counsel is because a legal transaction has occurred. The Bible says that we have been given the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Watch this, Jesus isn't pleading for leniency with God, he is pleading for justice. Think about that, because in the eyes of Jesus, for God to forgive us is justice. Jesus is saying, God, you cannot punish them for that, because I paid the price for that. See, he's not begging God, please give him another chance. He's saying, God, no, you, you cannot punish them because you have already punished me. I am their legal counsel, and they have already been declared righteous because they believe in me. So not only you have to forgive them because you forgive me. To love them because you love me. And you have to bless them because you have to bless me. He's not begging, God, please give him another chance. God, please give him another chance. And there's never a point where Jesus is like, listen, I'm not going to talk to God about that one. That's too embarrassing. Like, I can't, listen, if I go to God about this one, bro, I, I don't know if he's going to hear me. I don't know if he's going to do it this time. I, maybe I'll, I'll give it another chance, God. I mean, here I am again, Lord. It's not the way this works. Jesus is saying they have a legal right to forgiveness because of what I did. Man. Now watch this. So that's what Jesus' advocate is doing. He's speaking to the Father, but this is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. John chapter 16, Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he says, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So what Jesus is doing, Jesus is declaring to God what we deserve by legal right. And the Holy Spirit is declaring to us what we have earned because of what Jesus has done. I just need you to hear this this morning. So I need you to understand. Anytime you sin, that's why First John says it. Says, listen, I, I write this because I don't want you to sin. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, even Christ Jesus. Oh, man. And the Bible says that he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but the sins of the whole world. So in other words, Jesus is declaring your innocence before God. And the Holy Spirit is declaring to you your innocence before God. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He is intercessor. He prays for you. He intercedes. And he advocates for you. 
anytime you feel, I'm not good enough, the Holy Spirit says, oh my gosh, you don't understand who you are in Christ. God could never forgive me of that. The Holy Spirit says, no, God has already forgiven you of that. Not just you, but the entire world. If he's forgiven the whole world, how much has he forgiven you? Come on, you got to believe what God believes about you. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. 1 John 3 and 20 says, if our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. In other words, the Bible's saying, you condemn you all the time, but God isn't and he knows everything. Oh, if God only knew. Oh, believe me, he knows. He knows everything and he's not condemning you. So the Holy Spirit is saying, Stop condemning yourself. You're in a situation right now and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks like it's going to overtake me. It looks like it's going to destroy me. It looks like it's the end of me. Holy Spirit is saying, no, it's not. No, you, you're an overcomer. You're victorious in Jesus. You're not, oh, I'm a loser. No, no, you're not, Holy Spirit says. You're not a loser. Jesus is pleading your case before the Father, and the Holy Spirit is pleading the case of Christ to you. You are who God says you are. Oh, man. People don't want to see that. But don't listen. Don't, don't listen to your heart. Remember, your heart will condemn you. Don't listen to your heart. Listen to Jesus. Listen to the spirit of Jesus. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, you feeling condemned? Let me, let me remind you of what Jesus did for you. Romans 8 and 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hmm. He's your advocate. He's your intercessor. He is God. Will you stand on your feet with me? Now you can see why this is going to take a few weeks. We, I, it, it'd take me months to just talk about who he is. It would take me more than a few months to talk about everything he does. Why? Because his activity is not just limited to what we see in the New Testament. He has been, he has always been, and forever will be. He was in the beginning. He is now. He will forever be. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit. Thank you that the Holy Spirit has come in the spirit of Jesus. You declared that he is another helper. He is our parakletos. He is the one who stands beside of us. 
and he speaks to us and for us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Is there anybody in here today you just want to put your hands together and thank God for the Holy Spirit? Well, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Come on, he said, he said to his disciples that I have been with you, but he will be in you. I want you to know today that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. We're gonna talk about an experience that we have called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that occurs after salvation, but I want you to understand this. When you got saved, you got the whole Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit live on the inside of you. Let the Holy Spirit be your intercessor. When you don't know what to pray, release the Holy Spirit. Just, Holy Spirit, you pray for me. I don't know what to say right now. I'm so lost. I don't understand. I need you to pray for me. Let him be your advocate. When you're thinking negative thoughts, when you're thinking that God doesn't love you, there's no way God could forgive you. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a new creature in Christ. You have victory over sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Let him be who he is supposed to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Listen, if you're here today, I want to invite you to the front if you need prayer for anything. Maybe you're here today and uh, you are sick. Maybe you're here today and your situation doesn't look good, but you want to come and declare by faith. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you want to declare victory in your life. You want to see in your life. See what the Holy Spirit does is he brings into the reality of your life the truth of who God really is. That's part of his role. And so I want to encourage you today. If you're believing God for anything, come get prayer. We've got an incredible team up front who would love to pray for you. If not, we love you. Thank you for being here today. You're dismissed. And uh, we'll see you very, very soon. <laughs>